You are listening to Shadow of the Wing, and I am Antonia Chain. This show is a serialized telling of the novel Shadow of the Wing by Antonia Chain. To find out more, visit antoniachain.com. Listeners are advised that some content is only suitable for a mature audience. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, most people agree. But in Hilgram, staff were taught to pay attention to the moment, to listen to their intuition. And on those occasions when they feel something is in the air, or not right about a situation, they take steps to identify the issue or break the tension. On wards, this can mean going into lockdown or removing a particular individual from the environment for a time. It can even mean something as simple as putting on classical music to change the mood. On wards, particularly top security wards, where listening to intuition can mean a nurse doesn't get punched or worse, nurses are usually very good at not relying on hindsight. Perhaps it was that the OT wasn't a ward, and the staff there at the time were not a team as such, used to working together but a collection of people from across the whole hospital there simply to accompany their particular patient. Perhaps it was also because some of them weren't actually there at all, but having a forbidden smoke in the grounds while their colleagues took on responsibility for keeping an eye on double the number of patients they were technically supposed to supervise. Perhaps it was because problems in OT were comparatively rare, Patients wanted to go there, they chose to and seemed to enjoy it. They rarely did anything to jeopardise their permission to be there. So when Bundy Bizimungi, who minutes before had been working on a beautiful mosaic, began howling and screaming in pain, both hands clasped over his face, crashing into furniture, splattering blood up the walls of the OT and over the mosaic he was making, it was the last thing anyone had expected. Not as quickly as it might have happened on the wards, but it was still only a moment or two before the nurses marshalled the other patients to the edge of the room and away from Kendra Kagami, who was still holding the bloody screwdriver she had rammed into Bundy's right eye. I know about you, I know about you, she yelled over and over until she was disarmed by being rushed by several nurses. The room was in complete chaos. Tio had immediately activated the emergency incident alarm and plenty of nurses and security staff arrived, but this almost made a very bad situation worse. There were too many people and mistakes were made. Despite the chaos, Tia made sure that protocols were followed. The noise was cacophonous. It was hard to think. The room was full of highly volatile male and female patients, angry nurses, a screaming, dreadfully injured patient who needed urgent medical treatment beyond what the nursing staff could offer, and a hysterical woman, Bitio, 
stood by the electronic gate and would not let anyone pass. She had absolute responsibility in this domain, and despite the furious insistence of some of the nurses, she would not allow anyone in or out of her tea until her team had checked that all tools had been returned to the board. She and her team were under immense pressure. It's going to bleed to death, you stupid cow. Let us take him out at least. Tio waited until she had the nod from one of her staff. All tools were accounted for. And she let the nurses, supporting the now one-eyed mosaic maker, sobbing out of the room. Next to be escorted out of the room were the male patients, followed by the female patients. On this occasion, when Terry set off the alarm yet again, no one bothered to search her. When an OT assistant noticed that part of a craft blade was missing from one of the knives on the board, she did not report it, but instead herself carefully replaced the blade. She'd been really afraid. She was not a nurse, just an assistant. And she didn't get either nurse training or the pay to deal with such people. She decided to resign anyway. Most people did not spend their days watching other people have their eyes gouged out with a screwdriver. It was no way to earn a living, especially such a meagre one. Ironic that when she first started, she thought it was a job that gave her a bit of glamour amongst her friends who worked in Tesco's or offices. She loved telling them about the monsters she saw every day, and they liked her hair-curling stories about how she'd been touched up by a rapist or given a child murderer a piece of her mind. The truth was that until today, everyone she'd worked with was very ordinary. There was really nothing very much to say about them, they made their dolls' houses, painted their crafts. They were actually really boring. And it wasn't her fault that she'd missed the blade. The knife wasn't missing, which is what she'd been asked to check, so really, she'd done what she'd been asked to do. If she said anything now about the blade, that would get her into bother and it would ruin her reference. So she kept quiet and carried on helping to tidy up the destroyed room. One thing was for sure, though, she wasn't cleaning up the blood. That was not a part of her job. Terry thought Kendra had done the job really well, and she would be paid handsomely. She smiled when she remembered what Kendra, in her broad Bradford accent, had said. I'll just tell the fuckers it's something to do with him being Hutu and me being Tootsie, and that I did it for family or something. I've never been near fucking Rwanda in my life, but the wankers here won't challenge me about it because they don't know shit and they're so scared of being called racist and that'll be the end of it. Terry knew Kendra was trying to curry favour with her, but she didn't mind. Kendra had made her laugh, and she knew that what she'd said was true. She genuinely respected her style. Not that Kendra had curried any favour with Terry. Now the job was done, she had no further use for her. She had no interest whatsoever in the man who'd lost an eye. He was completely irrelevant to her. Terry took the pellet of clay out of her vagina and peeled the clay away from the blade. She used toothpaste to stick the blade up to a high spot on the wall. If the room was searched, no one would even look up. 
People only searched in obvious places. People were stupid. It had been easy to snap the blade from the knife without anyone noticing, and easier still to slip the slippery, clay, cocooned blade inside of herself once the screaming and marshalling started. It was a pity about her jeans, though. She would need to ask for some of her allowance to be spent on several pairs of Levi jeans to be ordered for her from the ward catalogue. She was so pleased that she no longer had to swallow the rivets she'd prived from the seams of her jeans so that she could be sure to set off the security gate alarms in OT. She had no care or concern about leaving the exquisite miniature furniture she'd made. It was gone from her mind and she had no intention of ever returning to occupational therapy. Tia was in Jess's office and she was crying. It was awful, Jess. The nurses were saying that I wouldn't let them in, like I was one of the mad patients, but I couldn't, I just couldn't. It would have been completely irresponsible to let them out without following security protocols. They were saying that he almost died because of me, but I didn't stab him. I would have been mad to just let everyone stream out of there without checking all the knives and the tools were there. Jess didn't interrupt. She just let her get the injustness of it out of her system. Tia had been in an impossible situation. If she'd let the tools go, she would have been held responsible. That she didn't meant she was still being held responsible, but this time for the stabbed patient nearly dying. Jess also knew that the tears were not just because of the nurse's report of her actions on the day, but because she'd been shaken to her core by what happened. The OT was quiet and safe, and rarely did they have any problems. When they did have problems, they were easily sorted, and not once had Tia ever felt in any danger. Jess knew it was difficult as a member of staff to admit to being frightened of the patients, but she always reminded herself it was okay to be afraid. These were the scariest people anyone would ever meet. Working with them could lead to staff forgetting this, and as perverse as it was, it was probably a good thing to be reminded every now and again. Theo continued to sob. Jess got up to give her a hug, and was suddenly cross at herself for noticing the tropical coconut scent of her hair. This was not the time and place. Enjoyed the show and would like to read more stories by Antonia Chain, you can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and at her website, AntoniaChain.com. Thanks for listening.